Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the 100 Straight Podcast. Today, Nick and I have got the pleasure of talking to Mr. Bobby Fowler from Kentucky. Bobby, how are you doing today? Doing well, gentlemen. How are you all? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, Nick, it's just like always. You want to go ahead and get us started? Yeah, uh, I'll start you off with the same question we ask everybody. Could you tell us how you got started shooting and if you had a mentor whenever you started? Sure. Um I'm not sure if I've told uh, Nick about this, but I've touched up, touched base on this with a couple of people. Um, to be honest, the uh, trap shooting deal was sort of an accident. Me and a couple of friends um, back in middle school, we were looking to get into shooting and uh, ended up thinking that we were going to be shooting 22 rifles with 4-H. So uh, we signed up and uh, it turned out to be we were shooting trap. So we uh, <laughs> it was sort of an accident all in one, but we had a really good time with it. Um, shot 4-H for a number of years. Um, through that, I did end up meeting my mentor, uh, Dean DeVoe, um, which was actually one of my dad's lifelong friends um, since high school. So uh, Dean sort of took me under his wing, and uh, we began uh, began our journey. And we uh, through that, we did the 4-H, and then we ended up going to uh, AIM, shooting with Miss Linda Cox in Todd County. Um, with that, we ended up going uh, – going there also ended up doing my own thing through the ata but uh dean was also a magnificent help to me um as far as my shooting journey went um had a couple of a uh, couple of clinics with him and uh, also dennis devault and uh that was very very helpful to me um also the help from uh, miss linda cox as well was awesome 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 so she was also a big part of what we did here as well uh, could you kind of say what exactly 4-H is? I know that you and Linda were a big component uh, over in Todd County with the 4-H and everything. And could you kind of tell our listeners a little bit more about how the 4-H is set up and kind of how they could get involved with that if they're just starting out shooting and stuff? Sure. Um, so the 4-H, we uh, we got involved with it. And, of course, we uh, you can go to uh, any extension office um, and get involved with the shooting sports there. Um, as far as the, uh, what I was involved with, with, with Miss Linda was, uh, the high school stuff. So me and Miss Linda, we ended up, uh, I actually helped coach her st- or help coach the, uh, Todd County team there. So as far as the 4-H, you can always get started with the, uh, extension offices in your area, always check with them. Um, an actual, another avenue that you can go through to get into shooting. Um, I'm sure that just been touched base on in here as well, but we actually had a, uh, FFA shoot that you could actually go through as well through your high schools. So that's another way you can get into it. But your uh, 4-H is all 9 through 11, 12 to 14, and 15 to 18. So with that, um, you have your certain yardages. Your 9 to 11, I believe, will shoot on the 16, and they'll have uh, 25 to 50 bird races. Your uh, 12 to 14s are 50 birds from the 18 or 100 from the 18, and then your uh, 15 to 18 is going to be 50 to 100 birds from the 20-yard line. I was just going to ask him if he ever dabbled in uh, SCTP and if he had, if he would tell us a little bit about it too. Um, as far as my SCTP um, shooting, only thing that we really did was do the uh, cross-referencing. So especially like at the, uh, of course, Nick shot it as well, um, like at the state shoot for the Ames, we always uh, came in and we would, we were just a primarily AIM team with uh, Linda. So we would come in and then we would just cross reference in the uh, targets to shoot with the uh, SCTP group out of Kentucky as well. I never really had much extent with the SCTP. 
Well, kind of sticking with the same, um, talking about the different, you know, organizations you, you shot through. I know you and Linda at one point in time, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I was told that y'all uh, did a lot of advocating to make trap shooting a, uh, ain't it KHSAA, like a Kentucky State High School sanctioned sport. Did y'all ever see any progress made with that? Uh, yes. Um, so actually when I was in high school, um, probably when I was around 16 or 17 years old, um, I was approached by Vernon Anderson out of uh, Jackson Purchase and, uh, he was wanting to uh, go in and push that. So I think with the help of him as well as Kenny Knott and Linda Cox as well, um, we, well, we, uh, came up with a plan and I went to uh, speak to the uh, house education committee for uh, HC, I believe it was HCR 11, which was the House Concurrent Resolution. And I went up and I was able to speak on that. Uh, it's been a day there. And then I also went back to Frankfurt on another occasion and spoke to the uh, Natural Resource Committee. With that, um, being able to be a part of that was really fun. I really enjoyed that. Um, as far as the progress that we've seen, um, of course, I think with the majority of the high school kids now, they're all involved through the uh, the main one as far as the uh, um, the Minnesota, I think, with that bunch that's running that. Um, as far as the lettered sport aspect of it, I've not heard any progress on that. But I do know that they do have different avenues that they can go down as far as shooting with the uh, with this other group. But, yeah, I've not heard anything on the lettered, lettered portion of it. No, sir. I know whenever whenever I was like just out of high school, I went with Kenny Knott up there. Uh, we went to I think it was something along the lines of like a high school, like it was like sports that they were trying to get. Uh, actually, I think it was the archery tournament, maybe to try okay. to get people uh, to know about like trap shooting and stuff and what we were trying to do. But I I haven't heard anything about it since then. So I'm glad you brought that up because I honestly I hadn't thought anything about it. Isn't there like like a certain time cycle it has to go through or something? before they can judge on it or something or vote on it again? You know, Nick, to be honest with you, I'm not very sure. Um, I do know at one point, though, um, probably when I was maybe a year or two out of high school, I did hear that they had the uh, the vote and everything for uh, for it, and my athletic director, unfortunately, did not vote in either way, yes or no. Um, so as far as actually getting a push for it to be a lettered sport, I have not heard anything new on that or know anything as far as that goes. No, sir. Well, Bobby, kind of going right into the in the shooting aspect of it, um, obviously you've shot at a high level for years, and your accomplishments pretty much speak for themselves. So to listeners who may not know you as well, could you kind of tell us a little bit about what all you've accomplished throughout your shooting career? Sure, Jack. Um, as far as my shooting career, um, I've been a uh, nine-time ATA All-American, Ten been on the uh, Kentucky State team for around 10 years. Unfortunately, was unable to make it uh, this year due to work. I'm sure Nick can uh, sort of be sort of attest to that due to working and everything. I'm in a different part of life now than what I was uh, numbers of years ago. But um, as far as other accomplishments, I was a uh, high average leader uh, two years ago for the doubles in the state of Kentucky, and that was uh, something I was very proud of due to uh, Dean DeBow. He was he was always a big, big doubles proponent guy, so I can always attest my shooting and especially doubles to him as well. So that was something that was pretty special for me to be a part of. 
Well, you kind of touched on, you know, the work coming into your affecting your shooting, you know, how much you get to shoot and stuff like that. And that's a question I've been asked since you're working a full time job and everything. How have you, you know, how has it affected your shooting? You know, obviously you're not getting to shoot as much, but I mean, other than that, what's your practice routine changed and, and all that kind of stuff? Well, to be honest with you, all practice really, really has not changed them that much um still go out and shoot uh shoot every week when i can um usually practice regiment usually include uh used to it used to include uh full 250 uh 250 shells per uh, practice session now it's sort of dialed back just a little bit we uh we try to shoot 100 doubles and uh also try to shoot a couple couple boxes of uh, singles and a couple boxes of handicaps so around 200 shots now when we can get out there to practice um, as far as shooting to go into shoots and stuff uh, as far as it was long as I'm not on call, I can go to uh, go to shoots on the weekends. Um, but my main thing that I'm trying to do is save all my vacation to go to the grant. That's that's, that is my main thing. That's what I really enjoy. Get to go up there and see everybody again. So that's, that's my main goal. Uh, kind of sticking with the practice aspect. I think I've heard you talk about this before, but uh we kind of touched on this with Jordan Foley a little bit uh, about practicing doubles. Isn't it true? Like whenever y'all go out to practice doubles, don't y'all shoot like two or 300 at the time or you used to? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We did. We used to shoot a whole bunch of, <laughs> we used to shoot a lot of doubles. Um, and of course with, with Dean always being at the gun club, I mean, we always had his eyes as well, trying to um, look and diagnose anything or see if he can find anything to help out. Um, we would, uh, there'd be occasions where me, my father and, uh, Dean DeBoe would go out and that would be all we would shoot. We would shoot 250, uh, we'd shoot a case and just shoot a case of doubles. And that's just what we did just to, uh, dial in some stuff. Yes, sir. Uh, could you kind of share with kind of like the, the importance of making sure you practice doubles? Cause I know I'm the world's worst about practicing doubles and that's probably why my scores kind of show it, but. Could, like I said, can you just kind of elaborate on how important it is to make sure you practice doubles and not forget about them? Sure. Um, as far as practicing doubles, um, this is something that I believe is something that Dean sort of instilled in me. Um, you know, if you're going to practice anything, you can practice doubles. You're going to have a lot of movement as far as that goes. And you're also going to be able to make sure that you're keeping your head down a lot. So that was something that he always instilled in me um, to uh, if you're going to if you cr if you're cramped on time or anything, always go out and shoot doubles because your main um, main proponents are going to be there on the 16. You're going to be swinging and all of that. And you're always going to be making sure you keep your head down on. Them. So that was something that he always instilled in me um, as far as that goes. Yes, sir. Kind of kind of sticking to the doubles aspect. I know that you are a very, very fast double shooter. Uh I'm not saying that's a, a, a bad thing or a good thing. Uh, you, everybody shoots them at their own speed, but can you kind of tell us kind of your secret on how you shoot them so fast and how you can see both targets so fast and everything? Well, sure. Um, as far as shooting them fast, um, granted, the bet, and this is something Dean always said too, you know, a lot of people uh, will get wrapped up into timing, you know, and they'll get into a rhythm of squad or any, something like that. And uh, Dean was sort of <laughs> plain, plain Jane on this. And, you know, he sort of, he always said, you know, Bobby, you know, when the best time to shoot them is? I said, well, when's that? He said, when you're on them. 
He said, don't ever really get wrapped up into the timing of everything. Just, just shoot them when you're there. And, um, so granted we would go out, we would shoot drills where he would, uh, he would hand pull and he would make me shoot one. As soon as we come out of the house, bang, and then follow it and shoot it again. Just so that way you could get based on, uh, different weather conditions, things like that, wind proponents and everything. Um, as far as, um, shooting them quick, um, I would think that comes more with time and getting better with your routine. Um, as far as how I go about doubles, um, my main thing is I've always been taught to hold a higher gun and look under the barrel. So I'm, I mount it and I look down and make sure everything's lined up and everything's good to go. And then I'm holding about probably, let's say two feet or so above the house. And when I usually do that, if I'm usually shooting lead off always. So I usually go out to the, if I'm on number one, I'll usually hold out to the right of where I think that bird's going to come out. So that puts me right in line with where I need to go. Um, so that way my move on that very first one is going to be limited. So that way I can get to it fairly quick. Now, as far as when we go to the second shot, as soon as I'm squeezing that trigger on the first one, and as soon as it's hit, my eyes are cutting across over to the second one. So I always try to make sure to make that quick move with my eyes. And of course, wherever your eyes go, your gun's going to go. So that follows right over there, right into place. Well, Bobby, you mentioned you always uh, shoot lead off. So what kind of made you decide to, to lead all the time? Because I know that's a post that a lot of people kind of stray away from when, when they're deciding where to shoot. Um, As far as my choice to do uh, to do lead off, my uh, <laughs> it's sort of crazy. My my dad and I we always we always wanted to shoot together, and a lot of uh, the posts that were open where we could get into the, any squad was posts one and five. And I always did not mind leading off, and of course, I mean you, especially in doubles, you do sort of need to have some lead off experience when you get into shoot offs. So as for leading off for me, it was just sort of something that I did not mind doing, and that's just something I've always done. So from the beginning of my career, I pretty much always started on post one. It's just something that I feel pretty comfortable with. Do you feel like it gives you kind of any disadvantage at doubles being lead off or anything? You know, um, some people some people do believe in that. Um, as far as the way I feel about it, not really, no, sir. Um because once you see once you've shot enough, and of course, Nick, you know this as well, and Jack, you do as well too. Um, you pretty much know where they're going to be. So as long as you're giving yourself, and that's why I always say I usually hold a little bit outside of where I think I need to be when I'm doing this for doubles. Um, I usually give myself a little space there, a little buffer zone. And uh, so that way, even if it comes out a little further out or a little in, I'm still going to be able to see it and make that move quick to it. So as far as my, opinion on that no sir i don't i've never seen a real disadvantage to leading off like i said more of anything it could be an advantage because you know you can get into a shoot off and you're stuck there some people aren't very comfortable with leading off with doubles so it, it can help but i've always i've just always shot there and i've never really seen a disadvantage to it no sir well you kind of touched on this earlier but but talking about your hold points you said you hold high and look under the gun is that something you're doing in singles and handicap also Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I try to hold, um, like I said, this is all stuff that Dean had uh, talked taught me from a very young age. Um, I always told if I'm on the 16 yard line, 
looking over top of the house, I'm probably holding in, let's say, singles. Let's say I'm holding about three foot, three foot over or so. Almost, almost a level gun over top and looking under. Yes, sir. And then uh, for doubles, it's a little less for doubles. I come down maybe probably two feet or so over top of it. And then handicaps also probably about three foot. And when you're holding that high gun, are you waiting for the target to clear your barrel before you start moving to it? Or, or what do you, what's your movement kind of look like when, when you're looking underneath your barrel? Okay. So as far as that goes, when I'm looking under it, the move, the move for me is sort of just like any other move. If I was looking over the gun, to be honest with you, for me, when I see the bird come out of the house, my move, my move already begins. So it's, for me, it's more natural because I've shot that way for a while. Um, when it comes out, I'm already making my move. And by the time I'm going right with it, I mean, it's, it's already falling in line. It's not like I'm holding a super high gun and having to wait for anything. No, sir. For me, when I yell, comes out, and I'm right there with it usually. Uh, this has kind of been the topic the past couple of times we've talked to people about doubles, but do you shoot the same shell most shots on doubles? Uh, yes, sir, I do. I, I like to shoot the uh, like to shoot Winchester 1145s. Yes, sir, I like to shoot the double A's. To me, I <laughs> when I do the two two shells deal, if I shoot an ounce first and then shoot an ounce and an eighth or something, to me, it sort of messes me up because I'm not used to it. I would rather just shoot two of the same. I got you. Yeah, that makes it a lot more easier as far as whenever you're buying shells and everything, if you can just shoot your single shells on doubles too. That way you ain't got to pack near as many like extras and stuff. Yes, sir. Well, uh, you mentioned Dennis, Dennis Duvall. Is that how you pronounce his name correctly? Yes, sir. Well, uh, you, you, your stock's made by him, isn't it? Yes, sir. It is. Well, could you kind of tell us how important you think having a, a, not necessarily a custom stock, but a well-fitted stock is to help you shoot good? Sure. Um, so a, a custom stock and everything is is a big big proponent in um, in anything as far as shooting goes whether that's rifles or anything like that you want to make sure that your equipment and everything is fitted to you um with Dennis the main reason why I wanted to go ahead and get a custom stock was at the time my factory stock on the uh, on my blazer that I have now my pinky was actually underneath the uh, the hang the palm swell, so my pinky was actually off of my gun while I was shooting. Um, I knew that I needed a bigger palm swell, and of course, your palm swell is pretty much your steering wheel. That's how you drive your gun. So I knew I needed that, and I knew I probably needed a little more uh, offset, and I knew for sure I probably needed a little taller of a stock as well. So uh, it is a big big proponent. Now, when we uh, first started it, of course, you got to get used to it and everything like that. But um, once I got used to what uh, how it felt and everything, I just it felt like a glove, and we just rolled on with it. It was a very, very good investment for me, um, and I really do enjoy it. Well, Bobby, something else I got for you here is obviously we we kind of mentioned this a minute ago. You have uh, shot for for several years, and, and you've shot a, at a high level for several of those years. So what are some some tips that you've picked up on maybe from Dean or, or somebody else that helped you that some less experienced shooters might know that might 
you know, help them kind of elevate their game to a higher level quicker? Sure. Um, one of the main things that, uh, the Dean always preached to me was always to have a mental checklist. And of course you hear that a lot, but with him, I mean, we, uh, we, was, as soon as I was probably, I don't know, 11 or so, we started going through things that I needed to go through with my pre-shot routine. Um, and I feel like having a very solid pre-shot routine is very important, especially when you're new. Um, one of the main things that I would always do is I would always, every shot, this is back when I was younger, of course, I'd always double check where my feet were, I always made sure that I had very good uh, mobility. Um, also, another thing that we would get into would be uh, the actual mental checklist, okay? So, going down through there, always make sure you're ready to shoot. Make, take your time. Um, go mount your gun. He would always tell me head up or head down, eyes up, which is always make sure you keep your head on your gun and your eyes up looking for the target. Um, the main thing that I would do as far as when you're new is try to develop a very good pre-shot routine and also sort of begin to be um, work on your mental game. Um, of course, Jack and Nick both know that the mental game is a very, very big proponent to uh, trap shooting and anything, really. Um, as long as you can develop that fairly fairly soon on in your uh, career for trap shooting, it is a major, major help. Um, as far as developing that, um, one of the main things that sort of helped me um, was music, really. Um, I could go out there when I had music in, listen to music, shooting. Um, the main thing for me was that I could just sort of let my mind rest and just sort of focus to what I had going on. And that was a, a big proponent for me. Um, kind of moving on to more of your equipment aspect, could you talk about the gun that you shoot and kind of what led you down the path to be, like to start shooting that gun and everything? Yeah, sure. So as far as when I started, I had the uh, – or when I – had before this was a, a golden clays and uh, we shot it for a while and actually the uh, people that i was shooting with at the time uh it had been joe and amy dement as well as uh mac elliott we uh they were able to help me get a blazer and help me uh get on with them so that that's sort of how that happened and that happened around i think 20 2015 i believe 2015 or 2014, I believe. And um, once I got there and started shooting this blazer, I was like, man, this thing moves quick. It's like a Ferrari, man. And uh, really, really had a really had a fun time shooting it and getting getting used to it. We had to move some weights and things like that to get it better adjusted to myself. But uh, when I started shooting it, I, I really saw some things increase as far as uh, as far as doubles go, of course, my speed was able to come up just a little bit. Um, wasn't as heavy. Um, also, I did notice that my handicap scores also went up as well. So that was it was a good change for me. Um, the gun itself, I really, really enjoy shooting it. I would not want to shoot anything else. That's just me personally. Um, and, of course, the stock on there is just that's just the icing on the cake. It is just amazing. I really enjoy having that stock on there. Hardly any kick. Um, the feel of it is amazing. And of course the fit is really well. Uh, kind of sticking on with the gun aspect. Could you uh, kind of tell us why that you kind of moved away from your Browning, even though you shot it so well, I know if I was in that shape, I'm, 
creature of habit that I am. Um, I just couldn't move away with a gun that that you shot, like you shot that gun so well. I don't think I could ever step away from it. So could you kind of give us an idea of why, what made you decide to start looking into other guns and stuff? Sure. Um, we were, myself and, of course, my family, we were looking at different options. Um, we wanted to hopefully gain some stuff, gain some gain a better better equipment more or less um granted there's nothing wrong with anything made by browning um like i said i've shot i shot that gun for years as well as i shot a uh, browning bt99 a sectori and then went up to the uh to the golden place combo that's pretty much what i shot the my whole childhood um, and of course I still have Browning hunting guns and stuff here around the house. So as far as anything made by Browning, it is, it's quality. I've always had good luck with it. Um, as far as what our application was going into that next year, um, we were just looking for a better, better gun that would be a little more suited for, for what we were doing. Not saying that Browning was not. I was just looking to gain a little more, a better, better equipment. And, uh, of course with a higher quality gun, Nick, you know, this as well. So is Jack. Um, there's different, different things that you're going to get out of. You're going to get different weight systems. You're going to be able to get a whole lot more, um, variable as your POI goes and things like that. We were just looking for more, more things that we could at that time dial in my, dial in my game a little better. Well, kind of keeping with that, how is your blazer set up now? Are you shooting a, a pretty high shooting gun, or, or what's that look like? Uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, to be honest with you, Jack, I've not shot it on paper. Um, the, right now, the way I have it set up, and this is this was, of course, how Dean always set them up as well. Um, what we would do is <laughs> we would go to the twenty-seven yard line, or my handicap at the time, whichever one it was. And uh, we would shoot and we would slowly adjust that POI until we started getting into the center of those targets. So we started smoking the targets. Um, so with that, where, where my gun is now, um, the rib on it is maxed out. So that's going to be at 100 POI. And as far as the, uh, the stock and everything in the back with the way I have it set up, I do have some space in between my beads. So I am shooting plus 100 percent. Uh, can I know the, the Blazers have a very unique like balancing system in it. Can you kind of explain it to some of our listeners that maybe be considering the Blazer and kind of tell a little bit about the mechanics of it and stuff? Sure. So as far as the uh, balance system, what Nick's talking about, there's two weight systems in those. <laughs> there's going to be one that's going to be in the stock, and then there's also one as far as in your unsingle barrel. Now, they also give you uh, barrel weights that you can put on your double barrel and your unsingle if you feel it, if you feel as if you need it. Um, how that works, it's a rod and it's a, uh, you got a weight on there and you thread it out or you can thread it in just based on your balance preference and how you want the gun to react. Um, you just thread it out. It's fairly simple. Um, you just thread it on out. The rod actually has a little flat spot and there's a tiny little set screw. So you just thread it out and you tighten it down to that to the uh, set screw down to the flat part of that rod, and you can just dial it into however you want that gun to react. Um, it's a very very nice system as far as the gun itself. Um, Blazer has been known for their triggers. Um, it is a very 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 fast trigger. 
I really enjoyed. It's very crisp as well, and that's due to their uh, striker systems that they have involved have in there. Um, everything in those they're very very well made. Is a blazer? Is it a mechanical trigger or is it having an inertia spring? No, sir. It's going to be a mechanical trigger. And uh, like in terms of the barrel links, are all blazers 34, 32 combos? Yes, sir. Yeah, so now granted when you get into your sporting stuff, when you get into vantages and you get into super sporters and things like that, you can dial back some of those. And, of course, they have different applications as far as the uh, as far as your sub gauges and all that stuff go. But something that's pretty unique about blazers is I can go in there and pick up any any blazer on the on the rack. If I got to swap a barrel or anything, all those barrels are interchangeable. And I mean, you, it's not a serial code or, or serial code base or anything like that. Like if one is married to the other, all of those barrels will swap. So that that's really nice. If you're like, if you need, you know, if you're going to shoot sporting clays or whatever, and you want a different barrel, all you got to do is swap it. There's no need for like the uh, the companion tubes or anything like that. Yeah, I bet that'd be real handy if you were having some gun trouble, you know, being able to sure. just swap off another barrel or something. Yes, yeah, it is. It's handy. It's a really, really neat design that they have. Have you had any trouble with like the rib falling off and stuff? I know a lot of people have been having trouble with their ribs like messing up and so. Oh yeah, as far as far as the rib goes, um, I have not. And that you can leave this in however you want to go about it. I've not really heard of a lot of ribs falling off since they've come up with the uh, the new update. And what they did is they added a bracket onto the end of it, on the end of your rib. The way the uh, the rib and everything is with the harmonic, it would when you would shoot it, it would almost sort of go into it. S-shaped motion going down the ribs, so that's how your that's how the recoil pattern would go down those ribs. Um, before they had the uh, before they had the uh, bracket at the end, they they were seeing a lot of that issue. Um, once they added those brackets at the end, though, I've not heard a lot of issues coming back. And myself, I've not had any rib issues once they added that bracket. No, sir. Well, I'm going to end it off with the question we ask everybody. Uh, if there was one piece of information you could give or piece of information or advice you could give to a new shooter, what would it be and why? Oh, as far as a piece of new information to a new shooter, the main thing that I would tell somebody in regards to that would to be not discouraged and do not discourage yourself and always have clear goals. Um, for me, I always liked having goals in mind, and I still do to this day as far as where I want to be with my trap shooting career. Um, as long as you have clear goals, and they don't have to be big goals or anything like that, especially starting out. Um, any milestone that you set for yourself and you can then you can achieve it, it's gonna it's gonna boost your confidence. And as long as you don't get get discouraged and you're always building your confidence up with all the little goals that you're setting and you're going ahead and achieving those goals and setting new goals, that's going to be a main thing for new shooters that I think will help them a lot. Um, as long as they're setting goals and clear goals and they're achieving and doing the best that they can to achieve those goals, I think that's going to be a major, major help to them. Well, that's definitely some some great advice to you know the the new shooters because when I mean even experienced shooters, it's it's easy for a lot of people to get discouraged. You know, no matter how 
how long you've been shooting, you know. Sure, because I mean, of course, I mean, every everyone here in this podcast right now, it's Jack and Nick, you all know this. It, it's it's not an easy game. I mean, it, it just it, it's <laughs> at times it can be tough, and some days it's easier than others. But some days, man, it it can wear you out. And um, as long as long as they're keeping keeping good goals in mind and they're achieving them and they're doing the best they can and showing progress every day, um, that that to me is is something that I would I would tell a new shooter for sure. I've always heard it's eighty five percent mental, and I believe that they're not wrong whenever they say that. That is a fact, yes, sir. I believe that as well. I've heard that a lot. Bobby, is there anything else you'd want to mention before we get off of here? Um. Yeah, there's a couple there's a couple things I just want to uh, just wanted to touch about, or talk about some stuff real quick. It's just uh, just a thank you to uh, to my sponsors, um, National Aviation Academy, as well as uh, Clay Buster Wise and Blaser USA. Um, they've they've been there and they've supported me for a long time, and uh, just wanted to say thank you to them, and also a thank you to you all for having me on. Like I said, I've always uh, always enjoyed listening to the podcast. Um, and I think that you are doing a very good job and want to commend you on that as well again. Well, guys, if that's everything y'all have got, we appreciate you, Bobby, for taking time to get on here with us today and appreciate you, Nick, as always, and I'll get this edited and put it out in a week or two. Awesome, gentlemen, again, thank you all for having me on here. It's been a blast, good gentlemen. Thank y'all. Thank you, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk to you again sometime, probably soon. All right, that sounds good. Hope to see y'all out there busting them. All right, you too. See you, man. See you, Bobby. Thank you. Hey, thank you again, gentlemen.